Hello and welcome to another Film Flashbacks episode on the Auto Archives podcast. The basic format is, each episode we select a year at random, talk briefly about that year in movies, our least favourites and our top five, along with some honourable mentions and some recommendations. This time round we take a look at the year of 2013, a year in which we saw Alex Ferguson retire as football manager after 27 years with Man United. Ding Dong The Witch is Dead reaches number 10 in the music charts after the passing of Margaret Thatcher. American TV series Breaking Bad aired its final ever episode, and various supermarkets were forced to withdraw their beef products after being informed they were contaminated with horse meat. It was also a great year for movies. Listen now to hear Max and I share our views on the movies released in 2013. Thanks for listening and enjoy. another film flashback episode how are we doing very well mate and uh, thank you again you know when i said i'd really like to spend valentine's day with each other i'm really glad that we managed to come to a compromise where it's still valentine's day we're spending it together um but yeah i'm yeah. doing well mate how are you I, I don't know how i've managed to swing it with the wife but um <laughs> yes, right. yeah happy valentine's <laughs> <laughs> she was like you, you're gonna spend it with Max, aren't you? Like, yes. yeah she knows so, best she knows better um <laughs> she knows the deal Exactly. Right. So today we're going to talk about the year of 2013 and the good and bad films from that year and our top five and our least favourite as well. But just before we go into that, I thought I'd catch up on the films we each recommended uh, each other to watch last time. So yours was to go away and watch Heat. Mm-hmm. I think this was a rewatch for you or it yes. certainly confirmed yes. if you had actually seen it before. But um, how did you find it? Oh, I loved it. It was. Um, it's. It still wouldn't make my top five. Whatever. I know, but it's only because I don't. I don't. I've not seen it enough. That's the thing. It's, okay. It is an. It is an absolutely amazing film. I'm not gonna. You know. I'm not gonna lie. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, I, you know, I text you about it and that because I was. I hadn't seen it in so long. I was like, oh, I know what the twist is in this, and I was like, oh wait, there's <laughs> no twist. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I was thinking of a different film. I, I just hadn't seen it in so long. But like the bit at the end with the. Um, you know, the bank robbery and like the the massive shootout in the middle of the street and yeah. stuff is just it's so good it's so intense and it's such a uh you know you've got such a good cavalcade of different characters and such a massive cast as well mm-hmm. um yeah it is it is very 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 good and uh yeah I, i'm glad i rewatched it good nice I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it uh so i was to go away and watch more rats which i've now done and and i thought it was okay yeah um the standout bit for me there were some funny moments i think the the date show in the center of the mall was quite funny but after a while i just found his yeah (laughs) i found him quite (laughs) annoying after a while it's like all right yeah chill out um but it it was worth it if only for the stanley oh yeah oh yeah because now that hits a bit different now he's passed but um because it's got like Ben Affleck, um, yeah. it's got quite, uh, Jason Lee, obviously, um, Silent, uh, Silent Bob and Jay, um, 
I'm trying to think. There's, there's quite a few big names in it as well. Certainly, like, people you recognise. I'm like, oh yeah, I recognise yeah. him or recognise her from from different things. But um, yeah, I think it's one of those ones that I needed to have watched it at that age. Yeah, not uh, to, appreciate to appreciate it, it a bit more. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's good enough. Um, wasn't too bad. But yeah, I, it's funny because I remember saying, "Oh, I think I've seen it," but I had never seen that before. <laughs> I was watching, going, "Yeah, I've not, I've not seen this." Oh, fair enough. So I think I got mixed up with another um, Kevin Smith film. But um... well, well, there's all—I uh, don't know if you know all about the the sort of those Kevin Smith films. There's all tiny little interlinks between that and films like Chasing Amy. Mm. Uh, obviously, you've got Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You've got um, and some of the you know some of the later Kevin Smith films, like the Clerk films, as well. Like there is. Although not, there is like hints that they might be in the same kind of universe ish, right. there's all little inklings and stuff like that. It's quite um, quite clever some of the things in that. But uh, and, yeah, uh, I def- definitely want to check out the re- the others. I haven't seen all of his films, so. Dog, if you've never seen it, Dogma. Dogma is no, one I've to check not seen out. Dogma. Dogma is brilliant. It's um, yeah, definitely worth one worth checking out. Cool, nice. I'll add that. I'll add that to the the pile of films I need to get. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Um, Right, so let's go on to 2013 then. So ahead of this, we agreed we would kind of slim this down because we went through our honourable mentions. We've gone through quite a yeah, lot Yeah, especially this year. Like, there yeah. was a lot, a lot of honourable mentions. A film, a year like this, like we would go in cinema or seeing a lot of films more frequently than other years, perhaps. So I guess the format we've agreed now is we'll do our a, a, a couple of least favourites, our top five, and then another five honourable mentions each. So let's see so, how so, that goes. Yep. So this year, or this like uh, circulation of films from this year, I think this is the year where me and you first started like making sure that we watch as many Oscar-nominated films as mm. possible. And I think this is why this year there was a lot, a lot that we had watched, because it was a case that I think me and you were making the effort to be like, watching like three or four films a Saturday or a weekend because yep. it was like we had to go and see the what you know the Oscar ones when they came out and stuff so there was Definitely. a lot a lot of honorable mentions on here and I thought oh that's going to be it's going to be bad enough doing the top five let alone what is an honorable mention and what is you know what is part of it and stuff but I'd like to think that what I've said is top five and honorable mentions you've probably covered ones that I may have not wanted to that I, that I wanted to as well but we'll see yeah we'll, we'll um yeah, I'm wondering, because like you said, there are so many. I really struggled to, to at least get my number four and number five yeah. for this, um, because I could have just kept interchanging between loads of different ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see what we've we've got. So let's start, get the negatives out of the way. Let's get our our least favourites out of the way. So for 2013, what are the, your least favourite? So I've got, th- I've got three that stood out. Okay. Uh, the first one, and I think it's probably going to be one of yours as well, is uh, Inside Lewin Davies. It's not actually. Oh, fair enough. I yeah. this film was just boring, just boring. <laughs> uh, didn't like the main character. No kind of like any any amount of like quite you know there wasn't anything charming about him. There wasn't anything that was quite endearing. It wasn't like oh he was a bit of a you know, fuck up character, but actually was quite a lovable one. It was just a dick, just a like you. D- you didn't root for him at all in the film. So to give a bit of background, it's uh, following a folk singer during the early sixties uh, as he kind of makes his way trying to you know make himself in the music business, and his you know his journey along the way across a, you know, expanding a week, 
And he's just, it's uh, Oscar Isaacs, who I, I, I love him, to be fair. He's, he's been in some absolutely amazing roles. And this is probably just the one character of his I just thought I just don't like. Just he just There's no likability about him whatsoever. Um, I think this, you know, this to me is one of those very pompous kind of up your own ass artsy kind of films. It just kind of, it looked quite funny in the trailer and it was, it was just, no, it was just a very boring, unsatisfying watch at the end. So I won't say any too much because obviously I'm doing the Coen Brothers episode soon. So I have recently rewatched this Uh, and all I'll say is it's not in my bottom three. That's all, that's all I'll say. Um, And, but I, I, watching it this time around again, um, I didn't realise Adam Driver is in this. Film. Yeah, he's the, he's the naval or marine he's or the, um, like he the sings soldier. The Please, Mr. Kennedy song, yeah. which is so funny. Um, it's got John Goodman in it as well, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's got a quite, decent cast. Yeah, it's just, but yeah, and um, yeah, I just remember being like, "Nah, this is just boring. I just don't. I'm not connecting with any of the characters. Don't yeah. care about his journey. I don't want him to do well. I don't want him to succeed because yeah. it's just." horrible just a horrible horrible character um but yeah so that was that was one of them what, uh, the, yeah what are the other two you say you've got three yeah the other two uh the other so this is, might be a bit of a controversial one but i really didn't like gravity I, I knew you were gonna say this <laughs> i knew it because i knew we I argued about this when it came out fucking hated this film i just again boring <laughs> just boring like it's i think the whole stranded in space thing has been done to death like that has been like it has been a very long time since it's been uh for me like the last good like stranded in space kind of isolation film was moon starring sam rockwell that was the last good one for me this was just boring it was you know sandra bullock she's a you know she's been trained to be a a, um, an astronaut and uh, do part of the experiments that um in space on this on the uh, space shuttle something goes wrong and it just it was just boring it was just again it was just it's just been done to death so many times and it's the same thing it's the same feeling i had when i watched what was it ad astra um oh astra with brad pitt uh, yeah just the same thing it's like it's been done to death now and it's just it's yeah it's the same same shit different actors and that so that was my it just yeah, and I I couldn't believe I couldn't believe just how how much uproar that caused when people were like, are you shitting me? I was like, no, it's been done a thousand times. There's nothing new. Like visually, it was beautiful, yeah, but other than that, it was it was film for the cinema. It doesn't work at home. Like no, the I scale it the of cinema. it. I watched it at the cinema. Yeah, I just remember the scale of it like that. That ex like when it when the satellite, uh, the, I think it's a meteor goes into it, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that scene looks great. I think it's so good. And the big screen, I thought I loved it. Oh, okay. I wouldn't love. I didn't say I loved it. I think it's yeah. good. I've not gone back to it. No, not for me. And then the last one uh, was The World's End. Oh, what the Simon Pegg film? Yeah. So this was the uh, the last chapter in the what they call the Cornetto trilogy. So obviously you have Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then World's End, and it was just awful. It was they tried to change up the dynamic of kind of the characters in the sense that usually Simon Pegg is the like the main uh, protagonist and then Nick Frost is kind of like the the comic relief the ditzy one they switched the roles in this and it just didn't work Mm. again it was just it was it was a it was a great concept but just didn't work it just didn't execute in the same 
way that you know Shaun the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which are at, yeah. you know some of my all-time favorite films, and can rewatch them time and time again. This was just again just boring. It just it it just wasn't really that greatly executed. It wasn't. It didn't have the charm or the funny. Uh, you know the comedic elements of the uh, the, the other two. Yeah. Um, it, again, great cast, but meant nothing, and it just it was a bit of a letdown compared to you know obviously its predecessors. Um, so that was the the last one that kind of stuck in my crawl as uh, a bad one from 2013. Right. Nice. Okay. Uh, so I feel like I've got one that's going <laughs> to annoy you now, just to counter gravity. Okay. Um, so this is my least favorite, but is in is in the realms of least favorite iron man three okay nice because i I think we discussed it i i I feel like you watched this recently didn't you you went through your marvel movies binge yeah and sort of changed your opinion of it i haven't done that i haven't gone back to this film um i think remember this was the first certainly up until this point cinema wise this was the first one i was like this is just crap i just hated what they did to mandarin uh, and Ben Kingsley, I think he, from the trailer, he was obviously such an intimidator in, and a big character in Iron Man's universe. And then to kind of just do a 180 on him, I thought was crap. Um, and also just really forgettable. If I remember Guy Pierce is the villain, but yeah. I just don't remember it. Um, and I mean, to be fair, I don't really remember Iron Man 2 either, but Iron Man 1, I still hold so highly that this one was just, yeah not yeah not a good one for me no and yeah you're right i've rewatched them recently because i watched the whole marvel universe from start to finish and i was like ah this is actually pretty good and i think i think it's one of those things where in hindsight now where you see where the marvel universe has gone Mm. you can cut you can kind of understand some of the things are done with characters in the sense that no character is ever really finished or ever really like their arc is never done like there's always a way that they can bring people back so i think it's one of those things was like yeah it's shit what they did with the 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 mandarin but it never really is the end and it never really is what it it seems to be kind of thing but no but i would if i hadn't rewatched it recently i would have totally agreed with you on that point as well yeah it's 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 a bum note from the what otherwise is a untarnished series of films um so my other two they always tend to be horrors that are my <laughs> uh, right near the bottom. So I've got two. So VHS two. Okay. Just shocking. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the first one or this one, but it's basically just like an anthology of different. Uh, I think someone finds a screen with all these different VHS videos um, and they play them on screen and they've all, all, they've all got these individual like horror found footage stories and it's just like, they're just crap. It's just crap. Don't bother. Um, but my least favourite, by a long shot, was uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, um, it's just bad. Because it's supposed to be like a lead-on from the original Texas Chainsaw, if, if what I can remember. But the, the dates don't work. Like, it's so... I think the original was out in like 74, 73. And it's supposed to be like modern day. So it'd be like, it was, what is it? Like 40 years on yeah. in 2013, if it's 73. And, um, but they haven't aged at all. So the guy, the chainsaw <laughs> guy would just be like, you know, yeah. older. <laughs> and then he's just, yeah. It, it, but he's still chasing around. And, you know, the only maybe perhaps good thing it was, it was in 3D. So 
stuff like the chainsaw feels like it's right in front of you was yeah, a cool gimmick. But outside of that, it's yeah, just outside bad. the outside the gimmick, it's just bad. Yeah, it's just it's just bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, horrors always seem to be on the tail end of you know the worst films of the year for me. Anyway, the standouts. Yeah, without a doubt. Right. So now we've got those out of the way, we shall start on our top five so uh, do you want to go first with your number five uh you go first I okay think I went first last time you go first. oh okay yeah fair play yeah. okay so when i've been doing these top fives i've been juggling around as to what i want in them is it is it films that i personally liked for whatever reason is it films that stood out or is it just like the best made film so my number five i've picked for a reason that it stood out to me um, I have only seen it the one time, but the reason it stood out is how it was released. So this film was released, uh, it was aired on TV and in cinema, and um, I think was the DVD was also released all in the same day. I think I know what film it is. And my number five is Ben Wheatley's A Field in England. Okay, okay, yeah. So... Okay. Like I said, it was released on these multi-platforms. Yeah, which, I do. I remember which, that. Yeah. So which at the time was kind of a relatively groundbreaking thing. I don't think it's massively popular. I think it has got lost in the shuffle. Although I will say Ben Wheatley as a director seems to be getting more and more popular now. Always getting more noticed for, for various the, the films he's got. Getting a bit more sort of notorious. I think we saw High Rise as well, didn't we, together? Yeah. And that's one of his films. It's just one of those. He's one of those directors where it's like you'll expect something sort of slightly yeah, out there and slightly. There are no there edgy. are no boundaries. Exactly. So yeah. um yeah, so basically it's it's set during 17th century England. And uh the group of guys get captured and are basically looking for this buried treasure in short and things just get descend into chaos and arguments and paranoia and infighting and all this stuff there is one particular scene that just still like haunts me (laughs) to this day is without going into too much detail uh one of the guys gets sort of captured and goes into a tent and all you see off off screen is you hear all this screaming going on. And then one of the characters looks over to where this the guy is in the tent. And then in real slow motion with this really eerie music, and it's all filmed in black and white as well, he slowly comes out of the tent, but he's tied by rope. And it is the creepiest, one of the creepiest scenes I have ever seen in a film. And I don't think what I've said has probably given it justice. If you if you find the film, watch it. Or if you if you don't fancy watching the whole thing, just find the clip even without a context i think it's still creepy he just slowly creeps out of this tent and everyone's looking at it and he's just like you know something's happened to him and you don't know what has happened is he possessed is he you know you just don't know um and for that reason is why it stood out to me this year is just that scene alone is just haunting um so yeah that's that's my number five and i strongly recommend seeing it if you haven't seen it Okay, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll hold my hands up. I first thought it was a comedy. 
<laughs> no. Only because some of the cast are well known for your quirky comics. Because it's got like Julian Barrett has it in it, and it's got quite a few of these sort of. It's quirky... got the Neaky Gentleman guys in there as well. That's it. Yeah. So I I remember reading about this because I remember in Empire they said about it being released, uh, you know, multi-platform. It's going to be one, you know, quite a revolutionary thing. And I remember thinking it was uh, uh, like a dark comedy, but it's not, is it? It's quite. It's just a very dark. Yeah psychological thriller and, I, I you know, think that I, th- I wonder if that's intentional to kind of give you that mindset you think it's gonna not necessarily it's gonna funny, think it's yeah. a comedy but you've got comedic actors yeah. in there like and it goes a complete yeah and it yeah. goes a completely different way and Maybe. it's kind of jarring but yeah it's um definitely a standout for me anyway that year fair enough so that's my number five what have you got as your number five so my number five is uh Philomena oh not seen this so Philomena for those who don't know Philomena is the story of uh, former BBC uh, journalist Martin Sixsmith he does a people human interest story helping a woman who gave up a baby uh, 50 years ago basically she uh, she um, had a baby out of wedlock and was made to live uh, in a convent in a Catholic within a Catholic church in Ireland and she had to give up her son um up for adoption and basically uh you know this journalist helps her track him down and find out what happened to him um it's a true story it's it's uh it turned into as i said it's turned into a book by martin sixsmith who was a former um he was a political correspondent for the bbc and he actually worked he was actually quite one of the high-ranking journalists in bbc uh, correspondents um and he got fired for whatever reason and decided to do this kind of you know as he calls it in the film quite a few like you know a bit of a fluff piece because he didn't really know what to do with his career um played by steve coogan um who is absolutely brilliant in this because he plays um you know martin sixsmith the, the journalist like i said he was quite a high up in you know high ranking journalist and loses his job when he gets offered to do this kind of human in you know human or you know piece or sorry people piece whatever they call it he's very weary about it because it's 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 below him it's it's not what he right. does it's not you know he doesn't doesn't really do human interest stories but and again not to give it too much away but as you start digging deeper about the um like the catholic church and what they did with young mothers and their babies and that stuff it really is a very very upsetting and very it's just a very horrible, you know, story to to kind of unfold because Philomena, played by Judy Dench, she's absolutely brilliant. In this, she's she's not so much. T- she just wants to know what happened to her baby, but she's her daughter, who is the person who, uh, you know, originally um, uh, met with Martin Sixsmith to ask him to do this. She's the one who's more interested. Whereas Philomena's kind of, you know, she's she's interested to know, but she's not. It's not like you know, life or death concern about what's happening. Yeah. And as you see over time, like. You know, when you come to see how serious the matter is, you see Martin take it a lot more seriously as well because he's he's starting to realise that hang on, this isn't just a bit of a fluff piece. There is actually quite a underlining story to this which needs to be told. People need to know what's going on. But as Philomena understands what happened to her, get you know the baby she gave away and what you know the manipulation that she was under, she changes as a character as well because it just you know the just what happened to to her just you know the fa- how much it fathoms with both of them um 
it's just such an unbelievable it's it's so sad that it's a true story because it's it's just you can't you can't believe what you know what 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 unfolds this was in the uh, oscar runnings as well wasn't it yeah it yeah. was and, it, and it's you know it, I, I won't ruin the ending you know but it's it is a it's a bittersweet ending but it's one of these things where you just think like how shocking it was uh, mm. you know some of the some of the, you know what young girls went through and you know the catholic church and all um but um, but yeah absolutely brilliant film um i watched it on the plane over to america um you know been meaning to watch it and stuff like that and it was just one of those things where you just engrossed in it for you know for the whole time stuff because it just it's it like i said it starts off you know quite light-hearted as he gets to know philomena you know she's she's kind of blown away by oh you know a fancy bbc man you know hmm. doing my story and then you just you know it just goes from there and just how far the story progresses and that it's just nice yeah definitely definitely worth a watch nice i i've i've not seen that that one must have been one that slipped through from the the oscar buzz so uh nice oh, that's a good good shout there right so my number four is a bit of an odd film and i'm pretty sure you've seen it as well it's uh spike jones's her ah okay this was in my honorable mentions oh nice okay yes. so brilliant film i've seen this a couple of times it's just so good it's so quirky it's it's funny in parts as well um <laughs> i'm pretty sure there's a scene about a woman saying about strangling her with a cat or something <laughs> but yeah some loads of obscure stuff but in short basically uh joaquin phoenix plays theodore who is a lonely writer who basically falls in love with the film's version of Alexa, basically. Um, and it does sound weird, but you do kind of go with it. Or I certainly did when I when I've watched it. Is you kind of believe believe I think it. we went you, to see this. I think this yeah. is one of the ones we went to see. No, probably probably no doubt we did. Um but yeah you kind of fall fall you know follow the relationship and it almost becomes slightly believable. I think it's basically just a story about how we connect with our you know various technologies that we we use and it's kind of set in the near distant future um so especially at this time when it was released in in 2013 um these were all things that you could see being developed and you know technology being the norm which is very much what it feels like in this film because it, so the voices of the operating system which is kind of like the alexa isn't it uh, is, is scarlett johansson so it's a recognizable voice uh, that you you know from different different films you would have heard her from, um, but I always remember that he goes on like a double date. But he basically takes his phone, doesn't he, in his yeah. like, his uh, chest pocket, and they're always on a double date. And Scarlett Johansson's just talking through the phone, which is is very odd. Uh, it's got a great cast. You've got Rooney Mara, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pratt, uh, Amy Adams is in there. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a really good cast. It's a I, I guess you would call it a sci-fi no you wouldn't call it a sci-fi but it's got that kind yeah. of that near distant future element isn't it so you know it's not that now but you it, could it's, it's almost a way it's basically kind of a critique of how close we get to technology and how it can be also isolating as well and um yeah it reminds i remember it reminded me very much of what's the film with ryan gosling when he's got a uh sex doll lars and the real girl that's it. Yeah, it reminded me of that in the sense it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a guy in love with a doll, but that is his love. Like it's one of those like it, it turns the whole thing on its head where it's like, 
you know, it's a it's a romance story, but it's not your classic romance story, boy, girl, boy, boy, girl, girl. It's boy and inanimate objects, you know, but that is <laughs> that is their love. And I, I absolutely loved her because it was, um, you, you know, you're right. You do, you get enthralled in it and you do kind of, you know, you you kind of become accepting of it as as um, as Whacking Phoenix's character is as well. And I'm pretty sure, wasn't Scarlett Johansson kind of, they were considering her for an Oscar, but they said because it wasn't technically a performance, they couldn't give her a nomination? Possibly, yeah, something like that. I know that she wasn't the original voice. I think oh, they came, okay. they got to the editing, and I can't remember the woman's name, but she's the wife in Warrior. I can't, uh, I, I okay. can't remember her name, it's gone blank. But she was the original voice, and then apparently in the editing, it's like, we don't, it didn't work. So Spike Jones got that actress's blessing to say, actually, we got Scarlett Johansson in. So sorry for the waste of time. But um, fair enough. Yeah, that sounds like that was that was something that happened anyway. But um, yeah, it's great, and I, I really want to watch it again. I was hoping to watch it ahead of time, but uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance. But it's, it's so good because he works for a company, doesn't he? That and where where he writes out the personal messages for mm. people's greeting cards, doesn't he? Mm, that's it. So I remember there's one funny bit when he's like, he's, uh, I think he's, you know, he's been, he's going through like a heartache or whatever, and he's just kind of at work, and he's like, "Dear Grandma, why the fuck do you hate me?" Or something <laughs> like that. Just like, <laughs> it's just obviously not focused on what he's doing and stuff like that. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a sweet film, and yeah, I think, it, I think you're right. It's one of those things. Where it's like we're getting closer to that point where a lot of the themes and a lot of the things are kind of becoming almost real and it's very black mirror, isn't it? But oh, I think yeah. perhaps before black mirror was yeah. really a thing. It's a not, it's a nicer black mirror. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, that's not hard to do, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's my number four. What have you got down? So my number four is another film that I watch on the same flight as Philomena, and uh, I didn't want to tell you where I was going on this flight because it would give away a little bit of the title. I was on my way to Dallas at the time. Nice. And my number four is the Dallas Buyers Club. Nice. Good choice. Uh, so for those who have not seen it, it's uh, 1985, uh, the true story of Ron Woodruff, who uh, is an American man who gets um, diagnosed with uh, HIV AIDS. And the film explores a lot of the uh, like the true story behind the stigmatism of HIV and AIDS and the fact that a lot of people thought it was, you know, predominantly homosexual people that got it. But it wasn't. It was found to be people with, uh, you know, notorious records of recreational drug use, unprotected sex, you know, and it was the whole thing of, you know, people kind of um, almost, you know, like I said, stigmatizing people with the disease and, you know, the kind of horror stories behind it and all. Um, but it was, you know, it was a very serious uh, epidemic that happened during the 80s. And there was, you know, it was unknown, you know, to what potential there was to, you know, to, to wipe it out. And it explores how a lot of people with the disease were used as basically human guinea pigs to see what would work and what wouldn't work to, to cure the disease. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it shows the characters. And again, this is all, you know, all real life, how far he goes to try and prove that you know what the government and what the you know the fda in america their best interests are putting money in the pocket of those companies those drug companies rather than actually the end user mm. um and it was you know it's 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 extraordinary the measures that you know ron goes to to find cures and medicines and 
not just for him, but he shares it with the community that he's now a part of because, you know, there's people in the same situation as him that don't have access to the drugs and the medicines they need and the treatments they need in order to not cure HIV or AIDS, but just control it, just give them a longer, longer, better, you know, better piece of life. And it's, you know, he goes outside the law to have to do that because unfortunately the laws in his own country don't protect the people inside of it and stuff. And Matthew McConaughey, you know, this is one of the, the key McConaissance movies, <laughs> uh, you know, quite rightly one best actor for this. This is this film has got the bet my favorite Jared Leto performance in it. I think he's absolutely yeah, brilliant. He's in so this. good. And you know, again, one supporting actress for uh, supporting actor for this. Uh, Jennifer Garner, who I don't I don't really ever see much of Jennifer Garner. She was really yeah. good in this as well. Support, supporting characters, the uh, the doctor who is uh, who McCaffrey McConaughey's character is in the care of. Um, but yeah, just absolutely, you know, the the lengths that the characters went to, you know, Leto and McConaughey just lost an unbelievable amount of weight to in order to portray the characters you know pro proper you know physical stance and that and it's just it's such again such an incredible story that's a true story um and yeah. you know the length the lengths that people will go to to you know to have a better life and go above and beyond the law to uh, to make things better and stuff but yeah absolutely brilliant film and um yeah again another uh, of a stellar watch yes that is a good shout um that is was one of my honorable mentions so i've taken it out and put another one in now um but yeah that is that is a great film good shout right so so far i'm loving it because we haven't got any i oh, know you, you said well yours was in an honorable mention so we so far we haven't got any uh yeah. the same one which is good <clears throat> and i think it just shows about the year because there's just so many good films oh my god yeah um Right, so my number three is an animated film. Okay. It's a Studio Ghibli film, and it is The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Okay. Now, I'm sure you well know I'm a massive Studio Ghibli fan, and this is one of my favourites that they've they've done. Um, I think they haven't done any films for a while. I think it's one of the last few ones they've done. Um, but basically, it follows a... A Japanese folklore story is more of a magical one um, than some of their sort of straighter Ghibli movies. Basically, they find this as a you follow this bamboo cutter and his wife, and as he goes to cut bamboo, one day he cuts some bamboo, and inside there is a, a small, like young lady, is almost a princess um, that he is just enthralled by and is confused as to what's going on and essentially what happens is it turns to a baby and they they take the baby with them but the baby grows very quickly and becomes this young princess um and essentially what without going into too much detail uh the the dad who, who's the bamboo cutter who kind of treats her as a as her daughter is essentially is telling everyone that she's this magical princess and essentially tries to exploit her by trying her trying to get her to marry into wealthy families but she is just against that doesn't want anything to do with that and, she, and what she does is she gets these five um wealthy princes essentially to kind of go on these like suicide missions to prove their love and commitment for her and they're just not they're not achievable like I can't remember exactly the ones they go through, but it'll be like get a feather from this like rare bird that basically doesn't exist. So she's just trying to send them away so that she can deal with, you know, she can kind of move on. 
Um, so that's kind of the crux of it without going into too much detail. It's the animation style itself. It's hard to explain, but it's not. What I love about these films is you can tell that it's not CGI uh, animation they've done. It's all hand-drawn and you can tell it's the amount of uh, commitment and passion yeah, that's ca- gone into it. The care it. and detail that goes exactly. into it. Exactly. You can, you can really tell in this one. It's almost... It sounds like it's a dig, but it almost feels like the, the, the screen isn't fully done. Like the full, the most of it is white. So it's almost like a white, a plain canvas. And they, they're drawing on the, the characters on almost like in a rough rough sort of way. It's really hard to explain. If you see the trailer, you, you kind of make a bit of sense what I'm trying to explain. Um, but the animation style just stands out compared to all of the other Ghibli films that have got a, a recognisable uh, animation style. So in itself, it stands out for that reason. Um, but I, I, again, as you may well know, I'm a massive Japanese fan of anything Japanese movie-wise. And um, I was aware of this sort of folklore story as well. So it's quite good to see it in, a, in an animated way. I don't think you could do this as a live action film. Um, it's way too magical and it just, it just works in an animated format so well. Um, and basically you find out towards the end and it's not a spoiler but you find out where her origins are and where that sort of leads to in the finale and sort of the final sequences um it's, it's really good really recommend it if anyone's a, an animation fan or a ghibli fan it's definitely for me one of the better ones um and i think this as well did either if it didn't win the oscar i might have done um it certainly was in the running for it so um yeah, I really recommend if you haven't seen this to to seek it out. I think it's on Netflix as well, um, and actually, I think it's the same director of um, *Grave of the Fireflies*, which I know you're a big fan of. Oh God, that film! So um, yeah, killed me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's Sayo Takahata who's done a few other Ghibli films as well. But yeah, knowing what you what you where you stand oh, with uh, mate, *Grave of the Fireflies*, film, it sets the film. tone for this one. I can still hear that music in my head sometimes. It just just breaks me. Just absolutely yeah. breaks me. Torture me. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's my number three. Are you a fan of anime, manga, comic book art, and everything in between, or perhaps know somebody who is? Then make sure to check out the work from Instagram artist NoopsDS on Teespring.com where you can purchase some incredible artwork on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, phone cases, and much more. Personally, I've bought the t-shirt with the Spider-Man print in black, which looks fantastic and is a perfect fit. Various different colors are available and shipping is worldwide. To find out more, head on over to teespring.com forward slash doors forward slash noopsds. That's N-O-O-P-S-D-S. And check out all the incredible work on Instagram at Noops DS. Links are also available in the episode description. So what Very nice. Number three. So my number three, I reckon this will be higher in your list. But my number three <clears throat> is Twelve Years a Slave. It is in my. It is in my list. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is the again a true story. Uh, or Solomon Northup, who was a free slave um, in the post, sorry, pre-Civil War, I say, uh, United States. So he was he was actually a, a freed slave. He had his a family. He was a um, well-versed musician, 
um, and essentially he gets kidnapped and sold back into slavery. And this is it's a true story based on his book of him trying to win back his freedom again. Um, and it's, you know, I can't, without going into too much detail, I can't stress just how, again, it, it's, it's one of those films that you just, you can't believe that it's true because of just how much anguish and how much one person can go through you know it's 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 you know it's a shocking because it, it, it explores a lot of his life you know but you know before being free the first time his family there's a kind of flashbacks and forwards and stuff like that the whole way through the film that kind of explains you know who he is and how he got to that situation obviously and where he is now but it's such a you know it's it's one of those stories that just <clears throat> you you follow his journey, you follow his struggle, and it just, it just, it, you know, again, don't want to give away the ending, but when it comes to fruition, what happens, it's, it's so overwhelming, you just can't, you can't uh, appreciate just how much that character has gone through and just how much the, the ending means to them as well. And so just, we, we saw this at the cinema, didn't we? Together. We did, and we, yeah. And, and this oh, is one God. of those films where it's one of those few we films. Didn't talk. Yeah, well, it's, if, when you, when the credits roll and no one moves, and no one, no. it's just silent, and it's like you're waiting. I remember like kind of waiting for you to say, "Right, should we? Uh, should yeah, we yeah. go then?" Uh, just numb. Just, just felt. Like, abs- it's just like, just, don't look at me for the next five yeah. minutes. Just it's felt just ab- so brutal. And again, it's a bittersweet ending, uh, yeah. but it's it's not an ending that ultimately it's not a feel good ending. It's not a it's not an ending at all that you kind of go okay good at least that happened it's just it's it's an it's an ending that you know it's just it just for for the majority of the film you're just broken and it just it's it's a it's you know it just absolutely brilliant cast again so you got uh true 12 uh a true four and like he plays the part so well and obviously what he goes through you've got the supporting cast of michael fassbender and paul dano who are just absolute bastards in it and just you know the 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 you know the the epitome of human scum um as as the uh, you know the slave owners and uh, slave traders and all um it just yeah it just it just uh, uh, just such a overwhelming story and that it just um yeah like you said it was one of those films it just kind of you just it it ends and you just you're just numb because you can't yeah. believe what you've just seen and what you've you know what the the story this that has unfolded definitely so this leads in well because this is my number two so this is my next one anyway so yeah pretty much all of that um it's just so heart-wrenching it's so realistic it's you you feel like you're you know you're watching it play out in front of you especially some of the the torture scenes no it's it's all in in front of you and it's it's intended to so as as such isn't it to kind of show you what people were were going through during this time um like you said it a great cast you've got like benedict cumberbatch in there even yes. brad pitt makes a little appearance as well which i forget about sometimes um but yeah it's just i'm a i'm a big fan of of steve mcqueen's work as well uh, i remember the first film i saw was hunger which also had michael fassbender in from from 2008 and he just has this just this way of, of filming things of just making it so sort of realistic and and shame um, as well. So he did the same with shame. Yeah, it's just almost like I don't know how to. 
it's, it's, it's not, it's not it, glamorized and, and they shouldn't be because the subject no. matter he's covering should not be glamorized but it's a, it's just a really and and, and and recently he's done the small acts uh tv sort of short films as well which i don't know if you've seen and one of them was lovers rock which was one of my in my top 10 films of last year it just has a more grittier realistic perception of the world really and think you know that these sorts of stories like uh, 12 years a slave as well um i don't know if you remember it we obviously this is one of the times we were watching two films at the day at the cinema so i don't know if, if you remember we saw this and then do you remember the other film we saw straight after to try and get us up we yeah we went to go watch last vegas <laughs> and, and i then, we and needed I, I, it to be honest because I, I, I don't think we spoke like no I, silence for about 20 minutes i remember we were both like we need to go and watch something because i think we were going to go watch something else um that was quite serious as well and it was like now nah, we need to go watch something that's yeah that's going to pick us up so we watched last vegas but yeah i mean uh you know saying about the steve mcqueen films and stuff there's there's very little there's very little ever left to the imagination yeah and i think that's what's great in the sort of films he makes is the fact that you know it doesn't leave it up to the viewers interpretation it's like no this is what's happening this is what has actually happened it's not a case of did this happen how did it happen no this is this is how brutal this is how real this is how you know how you know films like shame this is how seedy this is how you know corrupt this is how you know how brutal the thing is that we are you know the the story is about and this film you know there's there's understandably there's films, there's sort of the scenes in this that are so uncomfortable to watch because of just how the extent of what they would have been like, you know, in real life. So, like, you know, the bit with Michael Fassbender when he's almost, uh, it's not even, it's 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 like it's not even torture. It's it's almost like a, I don't know. It, it's it's it's, it's, it's seen it, in outside. It's almost like a cat and mouse chase. That's it. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's yeah. It's just horrible to watch because yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's not even torture. It's almost just like it's it's like intimidation and yeah. scare tactics, basically. Yeah, and it's it's horrible, and it's just it's it's unrelenting. There's no kind of uh, hold back on it and stuff like that. And it yeah, it just it really does dig away at just how big the you know the seriousness and how horrible that whole period of time was. Um, you know, just yeah, just an absolute raw raw film. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, as I think we mentioned, is I've only seen it the once. I, I, oh yeah, it's not because it's a bad film. It's just I, I don't want to go through that again because it is so. It's the same brutal. with Requiem. I love, yeah. Re- I love, I love Requiem for a Dream, but I won't stick it on for the sake of it because it's no. just such a. It's one of those films that has left you with an impression enough that you don't need to see it again because you know you don't need to rewatch it to to feel that like you felt no. it, you know, tenfold the first time around, and I think. It doesn't need to be rewatched to to appreciate it because it's appreciated and yeah. just yeah. It, so I, I would rounds. I would recommend it. I think it's an important film. I don't, it's oh, definitely yeah. not a Sunday night you know chill out film. You need to be in the mindset to watch it definitely. Oh, yeah. But um, it isn't one I'd rush back to in the sense that I don't want to I don't want to see those things again basically. Um, okay, so that was my number two as well as your number three so what is your number two so completely going off on the on the other end here and again this is another true story my number two is the wolf of wall street oh nice one so um 
this is the story of Jordan Belford, who was a stockbroker in uh, in Wall Street during the late uh, late 80s. Um, you know, he finds a bit of a loophole with regards to what they call penny stocks. So these are stocks in smaller companies that are very, very lowly, um, uh, you know, under the radar of the, you know, the, the uh, what do you call it, the the federal government and kind of regulations and stuff like that. And he finds a loophole and manipulates that and basically builds an empire of, you know, other brokers selling stocks in underhanded tactics. And it's just, it's a more Martin Scorsese who, you know, you can't give Martin Scorsese a bad film um, or bad story to tell. And, it, you know, again, it just explores the unimaginable excess that you know that the stockbrokers and especially you know Jordan Belford Leonardo DiCaprio's character went through during this period and just how money was no object and it was just you know just how much greed there is in these yeah. in these industries stuff like that and it's one of these stories again where you just think like this is one man's story but there's thousands thousands of people in the same line of work that are doing exactly the same it's just the fact that he he was you know he was caught for it and you know wrote a book and you know turned into a film but it's just it's just how his tactics were you know in 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 some some practices were just another day and stuff like that it's just the fact that how lavish and how loud he was as a person he got obviously caught wind through obviously the different uh, industry bodies but um yeah. but yeah again I, I absolutely love Leonardo DiCaprio. This is one of the number one of the films where he kind of had like a bit of a spell, where it's like it was, you know, just standout performances. Uh, brilliant, you know, brilliant as the character itself. Um, Jonah Hill yeah. is absolutely brilliant in this. Again, it, you know, far from his, you know, you know, super bad days. Um, absolutely brilliant. This. I think the story was that he even said to Martin Scorsese, like, I'll you can pay me as little as possible. I just yeah. want to star in your film. And I think, yeah, he did. was it like $10,000 or something stupid like that? It was like, yeah, he was just like, I don't care about the money. Yeah. It's just, I, I want, want to be in the film. Yeah. Want to work in a Martin Scorsese film. And he did. And he's brilliant in it. Uh, Margot Robbie, who this mm -hmm. was, this was the first time that I remember seeing her on, on screen. So I looked into it and she'd been in, uh, she'd been in one other film before this, but this was a kind of breakout performance. Yeah. But absolutely brilliant. This, and you know, uh, you know, so many other people in this film as well. Um, you know, other cast, big cast, you know, and it's just, again, it just explores that excess and that, you know, that it's kind of the, um, it's kind of the more uh, comedic, over the top look at, you know, compared to like Wall Street with Michael Douglas. This is the kind of the other side of it, the uh, the greed, but the, the you know the party side of it and stuff. But the scene um, where he's trying to get into the, to the car, where he's just like... oh yeah. When he's on the quaaludes and that. That's just, it. He's just yeah. so, it's just like, yeah. it's just brilliant how he's done that. He's so committed to the roles, isn't he, Leo? And he is, he is to Scorsese what De Niro was to Scorsese in the 70s yeah. and 80s. He just seems to be the... The go-to guy for The go-to guy films. for you know, most of his big films from the last 10, 15, 20 years, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, same with, well, so you said about... Um, Someone else earlier, Leo doesn't really make a bad film as well. No. He's just so, he plays the cocky, sure of himself, uh, Belfort so well in this. Um, but he, he, you see the character, you see him as a person develop as well. How well, like, 
where he first starts, he's you know he's he's already married. He's he's you know he's quite a modest guy. He just wants to get into the industry. He just wants to make a bit of money. And then you just see him go from that 180 spiral into this drug fueled, money powerful person. You know that's you know the, the world is always the kind of thing. It's not a gangster film, but it's very similar to the rise and fall oh, gangster yeah. films that Scorsese's done because it just reminds me of Goodfellas. You know this innocent kid who just gets caught into. It, this world yeah. and then he's just rising for and by the end he's just been spat out basically and it's it's funny you say that it's a really good comparison because if you think about it you know gangsters they do it under the radar whereas he was making millions illegally but he had a he had a you know a multi-story high-rise building yeah right in the open right in wall street right yeah. in an office building you know it's it's criminal it's a different co- it's a different class of criminal a completely yeah. different you know it's a it's 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 yeah, it, that's a very good comparison. I like that, but um, but yeah, again, I I loved you know I loved DiCaprio and I just think it was just an absolutely great team of him and Scorsese in, in telling a story that you just seeing is believing kind of thing and just how uh, how crazy it was and uh, I think I think regardless of how mad it was, I think everyone would like and just just to work even just one day in that office just to see what it'd be like in that just just as, as well another mention of mcconaughey because he was obviously in this as well from the same yes, year as, yes. as dallas where he does the famous chest bump scene which the scene. And, the, and the funny thing about that is like that's still quite well known that scene and he's in like the first 15 minutes of the film and then yeah, that's, it. that's he's, it he's not in again but he's he's you know such a standout performance in that one little kind of area and that that's it done but yeah he's he just he's a scene stealer isn't he He's great. Yeah, brilliant. Loved it. Um, yeah, great shout. Like that. Um, right. <laughs> Number one time. So, I have a feeling you may not have seen this film. And I didn't see this film. So, my number one isn't a film I saw in the year it was released. I bought it on Blu-ray a couple years after. And it was one of those ones where I to be honest now these nowadays i don't always have the time to sit through a film in one sitting usually i'm absolutely shattered or i just don't have the time to have to watch it over two nights um but i managed to have the opportunity to just sit down and watch this in full which i'm so glad i did because i i just didn't want to stop it um so my number one is scarlett johansson in under the skin Oh, okay. Which is, along with 12 Years a Slave, is both, they're both five-star films for me. But the way, the, this is just, so the, the plot, basically, Scarlett Johansson is an alien <laughs> um, who is in, you know, disguised as a human, basically. And is, she has, she has, I'll give her credit, a much better British accent in this film than she did in Prestige. So she's been working good. on it then. She's been working on it, yeah. And basically she prowls the streets of Glasgow and in search of unsuspecting men who fall prey under her spell, basically. It brings them back. It is mental, this film. It this the soundtrack is incredible. There's there's a opening sequence where basically you implied that it's the birth of Scarlett Johansson as an alien but it's done through sorts of lights and it's almost reminiscent of the intro to 2001 or something from 2001 Um, it's just all these different the soundtrack is just so good in in fact I would put this in my sort of 
top list of soundtracks as well just more on the sense of it's so unnerving and you don't it sounds you've not heard of before and it's almost like it's almost the, the soundtrack is almost like uh, it's so alien as well just like Scarlett Johansson is it's it's so like you've never heard anything like it it's almost like you'd imagine how an alien may perceive the world or or something like that um visually it's I've not seen anything like it. Like, what can I say about this seduction scene where basically they take, she, Scarlett Johansson will take these unsuspecting men back to her apartment or back to their apartment. And they'll basically, the whole room turns black. And as Scarlett Johansson walks away, they basically fall into this black goo. And I, I, I really cannot describe it because it's all so visually well done. As all that's going on as well, Scarlett Hansen's character is almost becoming aware of who she is and what she is. Like, is she an alien? Actually, she wants to. She actually wants to be human. So she, there's scenes where she goes into like, uh, you know, the boots or the equivalent of to try makeup on. She's like, so you kind of feel empathise with this character who is basically destroying these men and killing these men, but at the same time she's getting comfortable in her skin as a human that wants to become a human. So there's a lot of that going on as well. It's like, actually, I maybe I'm doing the wrong thing and she's getting a conscience and all this other thing. Um, but yeah, I won't spoil too much as to where that goes. It's I think it seems to be a bit of a Marmite film. I think some people... Uh, is that the black? Is that the black goo that they fall into? Is that the, is that the Marmite? <laughs> yeah, right? just Marmite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally. Um, it seems to be... I, I will say for me this is the best film Scarlett Johansson's ever done and has swayed me into liking her more as, as, a, as a serious actress um, than anything else she's done before. So I massively respect her for this film. And I think it's, it is a bit of a change from, you know, I'm pretty sure this would be in the start of, you know, the Avengers and the, the her playing as Black Widow as well. So this is a very different stance on her as an, an actress and what she wants to do. Um, but yeah, for me, is is absolutely blown me away, um, and easily my favourite film of, uh, of of 2013. Wow, that's that I never never expected that. So oh, fair play, I'll have to check that out. It's honestly, it's you would have never seen anything like it, and the the soundtrack is so haunting, like it's like it's ear piercing <laughs> in parts, but it plays with what's on screen. It's just you just have to see it. You really do have to see it. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Fair enough. I'll have to check that out. Who's, who directed it? Uh, Jonathan Glazer, I think his name is. I don't think he's done that much. Um, I, actually, the only other film he has done is Sexy Beast, which is... Which oh, is not, wow, okay. Yeah, so he's, he's, he hasn't done many films, um, but I wouldn't say, you know, if you like Sexy Beast, go and watch this, because they are very, very different yeah, films. Yeah, different films. Um, but under the skin, yeah, it's. I really, really, really recommend it. Maybe that would be my to watch. Yeah, I think it should be. I think, I think you'd let's like see, it. Let's see what we got in your honourable mentions. But let's mm. let's see. That, that'll be my to to watch for the time being. Then. Yeah. So that's my number one. So what was your final entry? 
So my uh, number one is very similar themes. It deals with identity. Um, it deals with the um, people from outer space. Um, it's you know a it, it very similar, very similar story to what you've just said there about um, intergalactic um, you know killings. Um, my <laughs> number one is uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I uh, I fucking love this film i so it's a follow-up to the 2009 um star trek movie um chris pine plays captain kirk and now they're a bit more established um you know crew as part of the u.s uh, enterprise and they take on the villainous john harris played by uh, benedict cumberbatch who is a former u.s uh, sorry also a, a former um star fleet uh, officer who has unbelievable abilities and whatnot and it just yeah i absolutely loved you know i've, I've said this before in previous episodes never been a trekkie never been a trekkie in the slightest but the star trek reboot films i absolutely loved to bits and i just absolutely i thought this was an absolutely brilliant sequel I, I thought this was up there with something like the dark knight where i just thought this was better than the mm -hmm. original yeah. in the in the sense it was just you know you had a really good well established um cast from the first film you had an absolutely brilliant villain in benedict cumberbatch benedict cumberbatch is so good at playing just i a, am a, calm yeah just a, he's just a straight laced you know cold calculated person and you know he just he's so good at what he does um, and he, you know, fits the villain role in this absolutely brilliantly. Um, visually, it's brilliant. You know, the the the, the settings of the different planets and the starships and the you know the, the battle scenes that they have as well. Um, you've got Peter Welling as well, aka uh, RoboCop is in it as well. He's one of the the starship um, uh, generals as well. He's got kind of a, a semi uh, uh, antagonist in this as well. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I absolutely love it when a sequel is just as good or better than an original, yeah. you know, or the, or the, you know, it, it, it makes it, it justifies its existence because it, there's nothing worse than a sequel to a, a brilliant film that just, you know, if, funny enough, you know, one of the, one of the films I was going to say on the worst was actually Anchorman 2. Um, you know, that's a classic example where you just think, this was not needed. You had you had magic in a bottle with Anchorman. You didn't need mm. this sequel in the slightest. You didn't add to it. You just use the same jokes again. You didn't need it. And that's why I absolutely love this because I absolutely love the reboot Star Trek. Was never a Trekkie, and this got me into that kind of element of it. And this sequel just absolutely blew me away. Just how brilliant it was. Um, it's funny. It's got action. It's it's you know it's it's just great. And you got. Chris Pine, you've got, uh, as I said, Brendan Cumberbatch, you've got Simon Pegg. Um, you've just got such a stellar cast as part of it, and that is just, um, yeah, that was my that was my standout film of 2013 because personally, I was I was I was looking forward to it massively and mm -hmm. still a bit weary as to whether or not it was going to live up to expectations, and it absolutely smashed it. And I was, um, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. So that was my yeah. my favourite film of 2013. It is it is brilliant, and it's like we said before. I think we agree with this, but this trilogy of films is better than the star wars yes. uh, sequel trilogy yes. by a mile i'd say it's i i'm the same as you never watched star trek uh, this is probably the first time into it was the the first star trek reboot and um yeah brilliant loved it they're just they're very good at just telling the event like 
the adventure. They're just it's. I think that's where Star Wars lost away. It went too deep into trying to be. I don't know, too deep and going into bit of politics and a bit of I don't know. Just you just want to you just want a swashbuckling space adventure. That's what yeah. you want at the end of the day, and I think that's what it does it so well. It sticks to its sticks to its core, which is you know. Star Trek back in its day was its monster of the week kind of thing, you know, space adventure each week, you know, different thing. And these are longed out, episodes, you know, episodes of that in a in a in a major movie, and it just it just absolutely brilliantly does that, and just has the whole adventure part without. It, it, it is a proper escape film, and it doesn't kind of yeah. in, intrude on any real life things. It would just go, oh yeah, actually that's that's quite a deep thing. It's like no, this is a this is a space adventure. Have at it. You always uh, know it's done well it. when when new fans and loyal fans love it as well. Yes. It's, it's, it's pleasing both parties. So, yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good shout. Uh, like that. So, the, so all in all, apart from one, we had a very varied list, which I'm glad of, actually, yeah. because we have covered quite a, a nice array of different, different films. I, what, was your, what was your total watched in 2013? What did you, what did you end uh, up? So. Mine was 56. So mine was sixty three. So not that ah, so much. quite more. close. So, and this is the thing. I think this is. I think this is where the point in which me and you were really making the effort to go to the cinema more to go and see a lot Definitely. of stuff. And and that's why I. You know I think I think this year and a lot of the films, a lot of the years coming up will be very difficult because, like I said, I had a, I had an honourable mentions list an arm's length and it was tough enough doing the top five. But oh, probably man. probably even tougher doing the top the mentions because like what is good enough to be in the top five mentions as well but well let, let's go into that now then so just reeling off your five we'll go to you first and yeah. what have you got in your five honorable mentions that so didn't just, quite make it so just quickly to go through these so honorable mentions so five five honorable mentions i, I would say are must watches um other than the others in the top five as well uh, the first one is prisoners yeah, this was so close to being in my top five. Yes, same, same. I, I, I think I watched this again. I think I watched this on the same flight as uh, as Philomena and Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club. But Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, child goes, children, sorry, go missing in a small town on I think it's Thanksgiving weekend. Hugh Jackman's a father who will go to no lengths to try and get his kids back, and Jake Gyllenhaal's a cop who's been assigned to it. It's just. It's psychological. It's a bit, a little bit of horror at times, kind yeah, of. It's yeah, just, yeah. It, it really pushes the boundaries of what somebody will do to get the kids back. Absolutely brilliant film. Absolutely loved it. Um, it's, it's Hugh Jackman's best performance for me. He's so intense. It's like that scene where he's like has Paul Dano against the wall and he's yeah, hammering the scene. Yes, it's just terrifying. Yeah. And he's he's brilliant as well. He doesn't really do much, Paul Dano, but he's a very he's very good at what he does, portraying yeah. the potential uh, antagonist. But yeah, that that was uh, just absolutely brilliant. Uh, same with me. I was very close to that pushing the top five as well. Uh, my second one is her, which you already mentioned. Absolutely loved it. Whacking Phoenix, Spike Jones, brilliant film. Yeah. Um, number three, uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, I've not seen this. Have you still not seen this? So no, uh, Bong Joon Ho as well. Yeah. So I watched this uh, on the recommendation of my friend Arthur in America because him and his mum went to go watch it. Nice. And he said that she, uh, he remembers leaving the cinema and she was just absolutely silent. And it was like, <laughs> he said, like, my mum's the sweetest person in the world. And she was just like, there was no good in that film. There was there was no, like, it just, it just broke her. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, 
set in a dystopian future where there's a a train that travels around the world it does a full cycle 365 cycle of the earth um all the it's a class war between the back of the train and the front of the train all the the rich and powerful people at the front of the train and all the kind of uh, underlings mm. at the back of the train it's, it's it's chris evans it's ed harris tilda swinton it's such a diverse cast and that and such a brilliant um just that yeah just threw me threw me for 10 because i just did not know what to expect and it was absolutely brilliant so i definitely definitely give it a watch because it's just it's you know because they ultimately want to make their way to the front of the train and all the different carriages on the way it's just yeah i don't want to ruin it it, nice. is, it is absolutely brilliantly done um Number four, which again, this nearly made my top five, and I, 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 it was a bit of a struggle to not push it in, but I, I, it, you know, it was it was still brilliant. All is lost. Oh, this is in mine. Oh my god! What so, a really underrated film this is. Oh mate, this was a, this was such a little, an absolute gem of a film. Uh, so Robert Redford, he is on his uh, sailboat in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and he gets hit by a uh, a, uh it's a um shipping container that's that's come mm. adrift damages his boat and it's basically the the slow horror of him his boat sinking and you know him being stuck in the middle of nowhere and not being able to you know survive basically uh but he only says one word in the entire film and how he didn't say it earlier in the film i don't know but when he finally does it it is just it's like a it's like a weight off your shoulders as well because yeah. you just you just feel the, the 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 anguish and how much that that one word means to him and it is exactly the right word you would use in that situation. <laughs> um, and then the last one, I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen this actually. Uh, it's uh, filth. No, I've not seen this. So filth. So filth. Uh, James McAvoy plays a corrupt police officer in Edinburgh. Uh, it's a very, very, very fucked up comedy. You know, it is, it is, it is a very, very dark comedy in that. And he, James McAvoy, absolutely brilliant uh, in in this. Uh, there's a lot of the influence of like Frank Sidebottom and those kind of um, uh, comic books and stuff like that. So it's yeah, a bit, bit of a bit of a weird bunch of some of the things that's um, that you know you see. But it's yeah, definitely worth a watch and one that it's kind of same. bit of a stand up. It's the same author as uh, Trainspotting as well that did that's, this, the book for this. It. Yeah. So it's on that sort of wavelength, isn't it? Yeah. Gritty. It's, it, it's, um, it's kind of what you said with like Under the Skin. There's a lot of things in there that visually are just mad to see. You can't really mm. put into words what it is, but it's just, um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think James McAvoy is a very underrated actor and he's br absolutely brilliant in this. Yeah, he is. So. He is great. I do love, I've learned to like him. I never used to like him when he was in like Shameless. And yeah. like earlier stuff, um, but as he's got, as he's done more films, especially Split, because you know that oh, for yeah. me is when he's completely won me over. But um, no, that's that's a good uh, another great list of uh, recommendations. That was a that was a very 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 whittled down list. Yeah, though, so totally. Um, okay, so I've taken out All Is Lost and put another one in because I've just wanted to mention as many oh, as I can. Mate, really, that, oh, uh, yeah. So my first. Uh, one is also a Denis. I can't remember. I'm not sure how you say his surname. Villeneuve film. Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. So the same guy who's who directed Prisoners, and it's Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. So basically, he he is a professor who finds out that he's got a lookalike out there, 
and uh, that's as far as I really want to go into it and basically looks into that other person um, it's possibly got one of the most uh, craziest endings and twists at the end I don't know if you'd call it a twist but it's one of the most shocking endings I've seen in the sense of I would no one in a million years can predict the ending of this film no one will <laughs> I'll guarantee now no one will predict what happens at the end of this film so for that alone if you haven't seen this it's worth watching because it, it, it's almost like it's almost like it's a it's a massive what the fuck moment but it stays with you and then it makes you I watched it again afterwards and you start understanding what it means and that's all I'll okay. say there is as, is it, there's a reason why it's there um and what it is uh yeah i'm not i'm not gonna tiptoe around that anymore but yeah it's a really good <laughs> film and if you like his other films as well this is and jake jenhill is is great as, as it is isn't anyway so uh, he's a, he's another he's another underrated i think i think i don't think he gets enough credit for some of the some of the roles he he's done. has yeah definitely throughout his career he's done some yeah. great stuff uh so yeah definitely check out enemy um a quick one to throw in is the Evil Dead remake, which I oh, okay. absolutely love, and actually I think is better than the original, because this is just this is just all out carnage. Um, it is it's only for people who aren't faint hearted. Um, there's some brutal stuff in here. There's a lot of chainsaws and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, I, I really like it. It's one of those times we've had episodes, haven't we? Talking about remakes, and yeah. Reboots. One for me that I think is better than the original, definitely. Um, one film that I thought you might have mentioned, because I'm pretty sure we saw this together, and I is saw it, it in the list, and I really want to watch it again. What, what do you think it, it is? Is it a black and white film? <laughs> yeah. Is it Nebraska? It's Nebraska. Mate, I, I genuinely, I'm so glad you said this, because this, this is one of the ones that I had to drop, but I was hoping you would still mention as well. Like, Nebraska is so, brilliant. so good. So good. And I've so only good. seen it the one time, but I remember coming out just being absolutely happy. bowled over. Yeah. It's it was a happy, ad- yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's just a great, upbeat, funny, <laughs> stupid film, isn't it? Um, it's an Alexander Payne film, which I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. He's done Sideways as well, which I, oh, I absolutely yeah. love. But he also did Downsizing, which I hated. Um, but I'll ignore that. But Nebraska is just brilliant. And it's yeah. pretty much run by Bruce Dern because he is just yeah. the most likable, annoying dad character yeah. in the film. Uh, basically, Look, he's just this... Him and his wife are just brilliant in it. In the just, film, the though, way he just... just interacts with people is just yeah. funny. And it's, it's not much of a story. Basically, he takes a trip from Montana to Nebraska to, uh, with his estranged son to claim what is, seems to be a million-dollar sweepstake prize. Yeah. But that is just the, the you know, the basic plot of what otherwise is just and a it's all ridiculous the ca- It's all the characters they meet along the way as well. And yeah. it's... Uh, I remember that... I, I, I vaguely remember the two cousins that they meet and, like... Identical co- twins. Yeah, the cousins thinking it was absolutely hilarious, like, the road they took. Like, it just... It, Wait, you went you went down that highway like why'd you go down that highway it's like yeah. just... it's almost very coen brothers in the way yes, of yes. how they interact and that weird yeah. uh, simple, simple language yeah yeah it oh, is, i'm so glad you mentioned that it's a really really good film i really want to see it again um and then to change the tone massively um is this your weird one no, no, no. I haven't oh, actually got enough. that many weird ones to... Well, I think enough. Under the Skin's pretty weird, to be fair. Fair so. enough. Um, 
it's a documentary. It's Blackfish. Have you seen this? Oh, no, I've not. No. So it is about the uh, killer whale. Whaling industry. You know, oh. it's about a particular no. killer whale that, that killed I have seen this. Sorry, yeah. I have seen this. Yes, I saw this last year. So it's a documentary about, about that killer whale and basically looks into how they're uh, kept in captivity and the reasons why behind it, you know, they're, yes, they're kept I've in these. And I think this, either this film or the fact it was being made just made things different for when, you know, these creatures were kept in captivity, captivity because they were just kept in these small cages and, you know, were kept, you know, just well, in you know confined spaces that they were just yeah, lashing the, out basically because there's the whole thing of like they're saying that you know sea world and stuff like that they train these animals and yes they're obedient but they at the end of the day they are killer whales and like yeah they'll yeah. do a few tricks but at the snap of a finger they will kick back into i'm a killer whale yeah i will hurt you but kind of thing it's just it highlights how they've got this massive you know they take them from this massive ocean it's quite a corrupt industry as well, isn't it? All these, yeah. Like the, like the, the sea worlds and the aquariums and stuff. Like. Yeah, but they've, they've kept them in, you know, the, the wild where they've got all this massive ocean to swim around and then they just narrow them down into this small box. It's like it's going to mess with yeah. any creature's uh, mind to, to be mess- kept in like that. It's messing with my fucking mind, mate, in these lockdowns. Yeah, minute. exactly. So I know, mate, I know yeah. exactly how these... I know how these killer whales feel being locked in the you know the same house for God knows how many months. But... Exactly. So maybe not the best one to watch in lockdown. But, <laughs> yes, uh, right, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like trainers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but as a as as a documentary is it's it's not an upbeat watch, believe me. But it's I think it's a important watch, definitely. Uh, my last couple is it's this, this is brilliant. This film uh, is Blue Ruin. Have you heard of Blue Ruin? No. So it's the same director who did Green Room. So Oh, that was brilliant. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So it's that similar tone. It's very intense, very yeah. brutal in parts. And basically, um this I'm trying to think what it is. I'm trying to read the plot through now. Uh basically mysterious outsider's quiet life is turned upside down when he returns to his childhood home uh, to carry out an act of vengeance. Uh, and then what he ter- basically turns out that he's, <laughs> he's he's managing to kill off people very well. He's almost like an amateur ass- assassin. And it just escalates from there. Um, and it, I know that's very vague, but I, I think that's all I can kind of tell you, really. Yeah, well, give it away. Um, it's almost like an innocent man who's who's gets... It's one of those classic films where an innocent man gets caught up in a situation and things just get worse and worse and worse. Um but yeah, it's a really underrated film that I don't think got recognised as much during that year. And it's, it's, like we said, it's a great year. There's a lot mm. of great films. Oh, yeah. But this this seemed to get lost in the shuffle. But um, yeah, I would definitely um, definitely stick this one on. That's a good, that is a good watch. And then my last one, which um, I don't think is a my obscure one, but is Startup. Have you seen Startup? Oh, mate, we went to see that. Yeah, I thought we did. Because we um, had to go, we went to that screening where we had to hand our mobile phones over at the start. Oh, is that this screening? Oh, yeah, perfect. Because I, I got us tickets through somebody at work, but it was like an exclusive screening because we had to give our mobile phones in <laughs> to security at the start so you couldn't That's take it. photos or whatever. Yeah, that was that was very good. 
it's a it's a brilliant film. It's yeah, I think it's a film for film, which ben I think Mendelsohn. is on yeah, it's on telly yeah. quite a lot. Uh, same director who did Hell or High Water and Hail and Foe, which is the only two I've of him so I've seen. And again, very gritty. It's uh, Jack O'Connell is the lead guy. He's probably best known for he's also in seventy one. Yeah. Um, and I think he's in Skins, sort of the later yeah. series as well. He's brilliant. He's such a good actor and it's such an intense sort of prison film. Um, and some of the stuff, especially the start, which I think it's a toothbrush and what he manages to use that toothbrush for. Yeah, he melt he melts the toothbrush into a shiv, doesn't he? Using the basically yeah. within within like the first two minutes of him actually being yeah. in prison, um, he's so Even... set in that way of living that he knows that that is the first thing you need to do to kind of survive. Well, yeah. e- even when he gets to the prison, like the opening scene and the full body check they give him, that sets the tone for the film. Where it's like you see everything that they're going to check you for. Like they, like there's no like there's no implied search. It's like no, this is what you're going to see for the rest of the film. Like this is no holds barred. Like they are going to show you everything. It's like, very intense. And you've got they, they almost they do like a therapy session. There's a guy who's trying to sort of do therapy with them and try to it's like anger management isn't it with a group of prisoners yeah and um that's trying to help him out but they're so him uh, jack o'connell's character and a few of the other characters that are in this this anger management group uh, you know they try they're just so angry about everything yeah. you get to find out kind of their backstory and and what why they're what in they this are, way yeah. um but yeah it's again a very gritty uh, intense watch um, but definitely another standout film for this year. This film, this year is so good. Yeah, there is good some chat. great stuff. Um, but yeah, good chat. There's a plenty of great stuff in there that we've mentioned. So that leads on to the next year we are going to do on the next episode. So as I shuffle through the years at random, the next year we are going to do is 2001. Ah, okay. Now, I know at least three that are five-star films for me, so now I need to juggle about where they're going to be. Um, and, okay. yeah, I think... That's a I, thinker. I feel, I feel like after this finishes, you're going to WhatsApp me going, oh, shit, there's a lot of kids' films in this year. That's a real thinker, that is. Okay, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. It's that year, isn't it, where, where it's these years where we weren't, old enough to see everything at the cinema so it's not as quite I, don't, I doubt we'd have seen as much in this in 2001 yeah oh, sorry a films that were released in 2001 compared to 2013 for example tell you what i'm going to tell you my number one now already from 2001 shrek there you go episode you done go. Like, like, that's fun that's my episode done sorted <laughs> so that's my contribution <laughs> that's in my least favorite column <laughs> <laughs> uh, joking shrek's brilliant So yeah, thanks for today. Uh, a really good one. I, I like yeah. this these I'm, years around this time because we would have decimated a, the cinema around this time. Yeah, there's a lot of films I want to rewatch now. Yeah. That's gonna be a, so that's gonna that be a was it. One. So before we go, recommend the ones we're gonna go away and watch. Uh, so I, which I, one would you pick out of the list? I would say go and watch. Go and watch Philomena. I to be honest, until you said it. 
uh, that was the one that I really wanted to watch because I remember yeah. it was the Oscar season and you know when you're trying to cram as much in to watch before the Oscars are announced that that one just didn't get through and I, Steve Coogan and Judi Dench and they're, oh, they're both great Steve Coogan when he plays a serious role he does it so friggin' yeah. well and he is brilliant in this and Judi Dench you know she is absolutely brilliant in this um 2013 though there was two key Steve Coogan performances one we've talked about Philomena the other one the other one we didn't cover which Alpha was Papa. Alpha Papa Alan Partridge Alpha Papa big gift Steve Coogan but yeah um, I, w- I would I would go and watch Philomena nice okay so the one I would recommend is Under the Skin okay and I think <laughs> you are I, I don't know I don't know if you're gonna like it but <laughs> I think you're going to see something you've never seen and the soundtrack is going to haunt your dreams. That's what I'm going to stick on the old soundbar then, just to really... No, I would I would wear headphones really? and to it that way, yeah. Right, so funny story. So you, in the last episode where we had about... Uh, no, sorry, not the last episode, the episode before we talked about 2006. Yeah. I remember when you lent me Inland Empire, I watched it in the middle of the night and I remember what, wearing headphones to, to watch it. And I remember there was a good six or seven times when the sound was so piercing and so terrifying, but it comes out of nowhere, that it was like two o'clock in the morning. And it's just obviously big ass headphones as well, just being like, it just it just makes everything even worse than it really is. So This, this is pretty much the same for this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I would seek it out. I, again, I don't know if you're going to love it or hate it, but you are going to see something you've not seen before. Okay. And I think you'll appreciate it, if anything, for that reason. Okay. So um, so that's our films to go away and watch then. So I'll dig out Philomena and get through that. And we'll talk about on the next film, uh, sorry, the next episode where we cover 2001. So we'll have to go away and look at our lists and see what we come up with. That's 20 years ago. Not to, not to just ages, Fuck. but that's 20 years ago. Fuck. That is... That's... That was... F- Depressing. Yeah, that was six, that was six minutes ago, two thousand one. Now it's now it's twenty years ago. I know. Jesus Christ. But yeah, thanks again for today, no, and I'll really speak to you on the me. next one. Looking forward to it, man. Look after yourself. And you speak to you soon.